of our uh, head uh, backlights. Don't you think he'd think? Well, there's also ice on the on the driveway. Fell, slipped on the ice, fell head first into our cement driveway. So he not only looks like somebody beat him up, but he also has bloody knees and his, uh, he re-injured his ribs. Just gonna say hi. You doing okay? All right. Hey, you got the message. It's brown today. <laughs> you ready to go? Okay.
2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the blessings we have that we can come here this morning for this time of worship. Lord, we're gathered here with joy, and we're just looking forward to being able to spend time together and being able to worship together with you, to worship you together. Lord, as we're here together this morning, let us lift up the name of Jesus together, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. We're glad that you've chosen to worship with us. Today we kick off our Faith Promise Month where we put a little bit of emphasis on our missions. And uh, we will, in your bulletins, you should have a Faith Promise card. And that's a, an anonymous uh, pledge that you will, of monies that you will give to help our missions program. Today, Adrian Sanchez and his wife Lula are here from the Southern Mexico Mission. So we're looking forward to hearing them speak this morning. Before, this morning, before we continue, please make sure you fill out your connection card this morning. And if you're online, we ask that you do the same thing. And before we continue with our song service, we're going to give you... One, one day I might cut it down to a minute, so... Just make sure that you go around and say hello to somebody you haven't spoken to this morning, and you got three minutes.
Super thankful for the opportunity I have to to spend some time and to see uh, some familiar faces, some others not so familiar. But um, sometimes it's it's hard. I tell I tell people white people look alike, and so it's it's uh, it's it's always a pleasure to see you guys and to be able to share what the Lord is doing in Mexico. Um, and so, but today I'd like to share with you from First Peter chapter two. Verses 4 through 10. And um, there's some fun facts I would like to tell you about Mexico City. There's three specific buildings I would like to, to share with you some information. These three buildings are buildings that we usually visit when a group comes down and, and sees us in Mexico. We take them downtown Mexico City. We are from Texcoco, Mexico, which is only uh, about 12 miles away from Mexico City. We were just talking about how Mexico has three Mexicos. It's Mexico the country, then Mexico, there's Mexico City, which recently became a state. It used to be like Washington, D.C. that uh, it's, because um, it's, Washington, D.C. is not a state, right? Okay, so it used to be that way, that Mexico City was not a state or not considered a state, but it was like Washington, D.C. Well, I don't know, like eight or ten years ago they switched that. I don't know why they switched it, but now it became a state. And so now we have the state of Mexico City. And then around Mexico City, we have the state of Mexico, which always has been a state of Mexico. And so now we have Mexico, the country, Mexico, the city, and Mexico, the state. And so we live in, in the state of Mexico, which is just outside of Mexico City. Um, I always tell people our town is a small town. We're, our town is about uh, 400,000 people. And I say, it's, I say it's small because we live beside the town that is 32 million people. 
And so th that's, a, that's a lot of huts, somebody would say, back in my Bible college days, and like, oh, Mexico City has 32 million people? I'm like, yeah, that must be a lot of huts. I'm like, it must be, you know. Um, I guess some people still think we live in huts, but uh, there's actually some skyscrapers and stuff like that in Mexico. And so it's just a great opportunity to be here and share with you. I am Adrian Sanchez. I represent Southern Mexico Missions. And it was a mission or a ministry that started with my grandparents when they moved from Southern California down to Mexico back in 1957. They moved with their uh, family of five. So it was my grandpa Gil, grandma Marie, my uncle Kurt, my uncle Craig, and my mother Kay. And they moved down to Mexico to start churches in, in Mexico. Uh, the ministry took off and now we have, um, we're represented in five different states. And so actually your support goes to Southern Mexico Missions that supports six evangelists total right now. And so yeah, that's pretty exciting stuff. A lot of times people don't realize and they think, oh, well, we're giving you money for you, you know, but it's not. It's for Southern Mexico missions, and then that gets distributed amongst all the other evangelists. And so uh, uh, on behalf of the other evangelists that cannot come up here legally, well, I guess now it's, it's, it's up for grabs, you know. <laughs> legally, uh, uh, illegally, legally coming across is, is okay, I guess, in, in, in some ways, but um, no. They, they, they send greetings, and they're so thankful, and we're also thankful for the opportunity we have to minister together. Um, I, I know sometimes we don't see it this way, but it's, it's a ministry we're all doing. Um, it, a lot of people come up and oh, what you're doing is amazing. And I'm like, what we are doing, because we would not be able to do what we do down in Mexico if it wasn't through faithful supporters like you. And so we appreciate the financial, and we, we covet the, the prayers. Please do so. Um, I, I usually do a lot of presentations with, with children, and so I say, every time your dad takes you to Taco Bell, remember to pray for Mexico, you know? <laughs> remember Adrian and stop and pray for him, you know? I, I don't know if that works or not, but I'm sure at least one out of every ten kids remembers me when they go into Taco Bell. Oh, that missionary guy, you know, let's pray for them and their ministry. But um, I'm super thankful for that. And so when, when we have groups come down, it's always very encouraging to, to show them around. And of course, we're really proud of our, our landmarks and the different things, the historical. Uh, we, we'll take them to the pyramids. We'll take them downtown Mexico City. It used to be you could go up into the Pyramid of the Sun. And so if you at any point in time in your life, you went down to Mexico and you were able to walk all the way to the top and all the way back down, you would no longer can do that. Uh, once COVID started, they canceled that. And they just decided they were not going to let anybody go up and down those pyramids, which I'm okay with, you know, because every time we take a trip out there or a group out there, they wanted me to go up and I was tired, you know, and <laughs> now that I'm older, I would just take them and sit down and say, okay, that's, that's the top, go up there, come down, you have 30 minutes, you know, we'll be heading on to the other pyramids, but... Um, so, so there's some fun facts I'd like to share, and not the pyramids, I, I don't want to share about that, but I just did a little bit. But, uh, in Mexico City, we'll usually take a taxi fr straight from the airport. Usually if a group comes in, we'll, since we're already in Mexico City, we'll take advantage of that, and if it's early enough um, or not too late, we'll take him into Mexico City. We'll go out, grab a couple taxis, and just depending on the size of the group, and they'll take us and drive us in, drop us off at the square, and the first building that we visit is the cathedral, because the cathedral in Mexico City is just a huge building. And um, 
one of the, the things, you don't really notice it when you're looking at it from the square, but it's, it's sinking, or it used to be sinking. And so, I guess it's still sinking, it just, it was sunk at a different level back before, um, maybe 30 years ago. And then some, some people decided they would jack it up. Uh, the reason why it's sinking is because Mexico City is built on a lake bed, a dried lake bed. And it was the Lake of Texcoco, which is the town I'm in. So Lake of Texcoco is pretty important. Texcoco is important. Of course, I was born there. So that's why it's a lot more important now. But uh, the, so it was built on this lake bed or dried out lake bed. And so, of course, things are going to start sinking, especially if they are heavy, you know. And so they, they, they built it the, on top of a, a pyramid, a, a, an Aztec pyramid in there. And, and the cathedral... You, about 20 some years ago they put a plumb line in the middle of it and I thought that was weird and there was like a map on the floor well I asked somebody what's going on why is this and it's huge plumb line it's made like three feet um, three feet tall about that round I don't know how that's like maybe 14 inches like the size of a pizza and, uh, and has that little point like uh, if you know what, what I'm talking about with a plumb line and then like chains going all the way up to the middle of it. And there was a map of, and the years that it's taken to bring it up or to level it off. I, I saw a little article, and it has two, like, steeples, and one steeple was lower for about nine feet. So I'd never seen it, like, tilted with my own eyes, but this is how, how far it was. And so what they did is they took uh, ground from on, underneath the, this side of the building that was taller and made it come down, of course, slowly uh, over the years. It's not like they just went in, took it all out of... Um, and so, but, but the land is not very firm in that area. And that's, that's one of the buildings. The other building is the Latin American building. The Latin American building was or used to be the tallest building in Mexico City. It was built in 1956, just a year before my grandparents moved to, to Mexico. And... Um, it's on hydraulic jacks, and it's probably the safest building you can be on if you're in an earthquake in Mexico. Now, think about earthquakes in Mexico. That's the reason why it's because we're built on like jello. And have you ever shaken jello? Yeah, it's, it's not like shaking ice cream. You shake ice cream, it doesn't really go anywhere. But you shake jello, and it keeps wobbling, and that's what Mexico City's built on like a, a, a kind of jello because it was on top of that that lake bed and so um, that one has sunk some but because of the hydraulic jacks it's still level they say that if you're in the earthquake and the earth starts moving the building stays plumb this building specifically and so if you're at the top of course you're going to see the earth come to you but you're thinking you're going towards the earth you know I'm, it's not quite like that you know but it, in, in perspective, I, I go up there and because there's a place where you can see the whole Mexico City from the top. And so I'm like, oh, I hope it doesn't, there's no earthquake, there's no earthquake, there's no, because earthquakes are not very nice to be in unless you're like in an open field, then it, it's not really that bad. But, um, and then right underneath it, uh, just across the corner, there's the Palace of Arts. Uh, there's a Palace of Arts in Mexico City and that one was built from, they brought the marble from France. And so it's built with this French marble. And if anybody knows, marble is pretty heavy. You put heavy on top of jello, what happens? It sinks. Yes. 
And so I, I, didn't, I wasn't able to find any information about how if they're jacking it up or how they're keeping it up. But there is a, some places where the whole building has sunk more than 12 feet. And they, they've had to build some steps to go down into the building. And so it's just amazing to see this. And all over Mexico City, you can find buildings that look tilted or they, it, there's a gap in between two buildings this size at the bottom and three or four stories later there's only a gap of like two inches you know and so it, it's because of the terrain today i would like to uh, encourage you to build a purposeful life that can't be shaken so that we can build our life in a way that it even if it shakes it won't crumble even if things happen we won't just fall apart into pieces Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, it will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and it fell. And its collapse was great. So this morning, I would like for us to consider building a purposeful life, a life with a purpose that cannot be shaken, that cannot be destroyed, that can uh, overcome these different situations and circumstances in our life. The first thing we need to do in order to build a purposeful life that cannot be shaken is that we need to make Jesus foundational in our life. Jesus has to be the foundation of it all. And so some, like some of the buildings that are built now, they have to have a stronger foundation. I realized this when we started building our home there in Texcoco. Texcoco is on the side of Mexico, or just on the outside valley, and we're really close to the mountain range. And so you know, when you're close to the mountains, the, the land is pretty solid. And so because we're close to the mountains, we didn't have to dig very far to find good earth so that we could lay the foundation. Well, when we were getting ready to build, the architect had these like huge structures that needed to be built at the bottom in order for our house to be built upon. And I was like, I was talking to the bricklayer. I'm like, maybe we could like save some money because it was really expensive. And I didn't have a lot of money at that time. And we were just kind of building as, as money came in. And so I said, why don't we like not do some of this foundation stuff that the, the architect is saying, nobody's going to come and check, you know? And he's like, no, that's the most important part of your building. You don't want to miss out on that. I'm like, no, but look how much money it's costing me. He's like, it's going to cost you a lot more if you don't take care of this now. And, I, and so I said, okay, well, let's do it. Let's, let's do what the architect says or, and follow the architectural plans, and we'll, we'll continue to do that. And, and so we did, and our house is still standing. And I'm thankful for his advice because sometimes we think, oh, well, we can save some time. We can save some money here and there. In our lives, we don't want to cut corners when it comes down to Jesus. We need to make Jesus foundational in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. No one in their right mind would do it. You can, and you can choose to have a different foundation, but it doesn't make a lot of sense if you think about it. Jesus is the creator of the world. Who better to lean upon than him? He needs to be foundational in our lives. Why? Because Jesus was chosen 
First Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, And coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by people, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. In the sight of God, God has been chosen. He, Jesus, or Jesus has been chosen by God to be that precious stone. He's chosen by God to be our foundation. For he was foreknown before the foundation, 1 Peter 1.20 says, before the foundation of the world, but has a, uh, appeared in these last times for the sake of you. So he has come to, for our sake. He's foundational, and he's come for our sake because Jesus was chosen. Not only was Jesus chosen, but Jesus is precious. And we who have been baptized, we who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, know how precious he is. Because he's the way, the only way we can get into heaven. He's the only way we can get close to God. Because without him, we can't do anything. Without him, we're lost. Without him, we deserve death. Because that's the payment of sin. And we understand that Jesus is foundational in our life because he's precious. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, And coming to him as a living stone which has been rejected by people, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold. Perishable things. Things that we value right now, silver and gold. And it says... From your futile way of life, inherited from, you, uh, from your forefathers, but with precious blood as a lamb of unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. And we understand what the blood of Christ does, don't we? It washes our sins away. It cleanses us. It brings an opportunity for us to be in God's presence. It's not because of what you've done. It's not because of what I've done. It's because of what Jesus has done that we can get and grow closer to God. And that's something very, very important. So Jesus is chosen, Jesus is precious, and uh, Jesus is also trustworthy. And this is amazing for me to see and think and share with people. You can trust Jesus. No matter what your situation is, no matter what you're going through, you can trust in Jesus. First Peter chapter 2, verse 6 says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will not be put to shame. Do you want not to be put to shame? You need to rely on Jesus. You need to make Jesus foundational, especially if you want to be, live, if you want to build a purposeful life that cannot be shaken. You need to make Jesus the foundation of your life. He needs to be the one that decides what's going on up there. And when people might not see him here, but you can glorify him up top. And that's something that's very important that we must continue to understand. First, our 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to protect what I have entrusted to him until that day. We, we can trust Jesus because he's trustworthy. And we can share that with others and tell them that Jesus is chosen, Jesus is precious, Jesus is trustworthy. So in order to build, to build a purposeful life that cannot be shaken, we need to make Jesus foundational. And the second thing we need to do, uh, or that we must do, is that we need to make our service intentional. We need to be willing to serve others. We need to be willing to allow our gifts to be used for others. If you have a great smile, guess what? Guess who gets to see it most of the time? Everybody else. Unless you're in front of a mirror 
And so these are all our gifts are great and you can be powerful and strong, but it doesn't really matter unless you're using it for someone else. Have you ever stopped and notice all these gifts that we have are for other people? They make us feel good and they make us feel useful, but it really is for others. And that's the importance of this, the church, that we come here and that we share our gifts with each other. And here's where I come and hear your problems and maybe I can solve those problems. I can be a tool in God's hands to help you uh, through the situation you're going through. And this is what's amazing about the church and we need to, sometimes we need to wake up and realize that, that what I do is valuable. Do you have some friends here that like to see you, that, uh, that you sit together with? Well, there's something in you that you give them. And that's why they're your friends. Keep doing that. Make more friends. Be intentional with the service that you have. Because that's where we'll find true joy. That's where we'll find true purpose in our lives is through service. Second, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. And this is where we'll be spending most of the time, or the rest of the time, I should say. Um, but you are chosen people, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may claim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is, these are some powerful verses. And I'd like for us to look at this today. I have a special calling. We have a special calling. Each and every one of us. It says, you are chosen people. You have been handpicked. Each and every one of us has been handpicked by God for his purpose. Well, what is his purpose? So we would advance his kingdom. We are his representatives here on earth. We are the ones who go and tell people. Isn't that what the Great Commission is all about? As you go, as you walk in life, go and tell people. And this is where we must focus. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided to you. You want things to be provided for you? Seek God and do his will. And everything else will fall into place. And, and probably not the way we planned it. Probably not the way we would like for it to happen. But it's all going to fall into the right place. The more I grow older, the more I understand that when God says something, it's going to be for my benefit. It's going to be for my benefit. When I was younger, I, I, I used to think I could do a lot of things. And I made a lot of mistakes in my life. But now I realize that every rule that God has put or everything that he says, don't do this, don't do this, don't, it has a real purpose. Imagine that. <laughs> He loves us so much that he doesn't want us to reach up into the boiling water that's on the stove and, and pull that pan. But yet sometimes when we're little or when we're young and we're dumb, we think, oh, he just doesn't want me to have fun. Right? And I, I don't know, and maybe that never happened to you, but for me it always like, ah, maybe he's just kidding around and I'd always get burnt or electrocuted, you know? And that's how... Unfortunately, sometimes we have to learn. It would be nice if we just learned out of God's word and trust him completely. And the more I grow closer to him, the more I understand that he loves me so much that he wants me to 
mature, that he wants me to grow. And so we have a special calling because it says we are chosen people. We need to take, uh, we need to advance his kingdom. We also have a special role. It says we're a royal priesthood. We are royal priesthood. I don't know how many of you like to be part of the royalty, but we are. In God's kingdom, we are all royal. No, but maybe not me. Yes, you, me, everybody. And so we need to take advantage of this. Why are we a royal priesthood? So we can reach others. It's not royal priesthood so people can be uh, bowing to us. It's so that we can reach others. It's our credential. It's an opportunity for us to serve. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, I beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are to help people be reconciled to God. If we don't understand this from the deep part of our life, we're never going to be good ambassadors. A lot of times we think we're good ambassadors and we get to tell people what they're doing wrong, what they should be doing, and we should be encouraging people. We are to reconcile people. How do you reconcile people? It says right here, I beg you. We should be begging people to be reconciled to God. That's, that's what this word is talking about. And a lot of times, well, I don't, I'm, I'm too proud. You know, I don't beg. If people don't want Jesus, that's their deal. No, we should be begging. We should be so desperate we'd be willing to put ourselves apart and allow Jesus to shine through us. So we have a, a, special, uh, a special role. Not only do we have a special role, we have a special responsibility. We are a holy nation. What is our responsibility? To be holy, to be pure, to stay pure. And that's why, that's why we do it, because we're a holy nation. Not because if the more I behave, the more I get heaven. No, I'm already into heaven. Why? Because Jesus is the Lord in my life. And because Jesus is the Lord in my life, I should be holy. I should take time to actually change what I'm doing. Tra transform what I'm doing. And so we need to turn from wickedness. Second Timothy chapter, nine, or chapter 2 verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone whose names the name of the Lord is to keep away from wickedness. We must stay away from wickedness. We also have a special identity. We are God's own possession. You and I are God's own possession. So we, will, we need to cultivate true love for God. We really need to work on loving God as much as we can. And in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, it says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We have a special identity. We also have a special mission. You may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we need to let our lights shine. We need to be examples to people. Examples of what God expects. Examples of what God wants out of our lives. And it's so important. And we're all examples of something or of someone. And it doesn't have to be that you want to be an example. You are an example. You could be a good example or a bad example. It's up to you. You decide what you want to do. You decide how people want or how you want people to see you. We must let our light shine. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Ultimately, God will get the glory if we're shining our lights in order to honor Him. 
And this, is, this should be our focus. We also have a special standing. Once we were not a people, it says, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We need to accept our acceptance. This is something really hard sometimes. At least it is for me. To know that God has accepted me even though I come with all my mistakes. Even though I'm full of baggage or I'm carrying this baggage that he wants me to get rid of. But God has already accepted me. It doesn't matter how I feel or what I expect, but God has already accepted me and we need to accept that acceptance. Does that make sense? We need to know that God loves us even the way we are. And he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. We must set a good example for others. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. And if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. May we build a purposeful life that can't be shaken. Let's focus on setting Jesus as our foundation. And let's make our service intentional. I would like to encourage you to take a little bit of more time in reading the scripture, these couple verses uh, found in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and really go through them this week and try to take advantage of these opportunities that God has given us. Because we could really do some changing in our life and in the lives of others if we allow Jesus to work through us. Make Jesus our foundation, make service intentional, and we, may we apply 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. God bless you guys. I appreciate Adrian and uh, the message he brought to us today, and I pray that it impacted you and that uh, there's just a lot of wisdom there from this young man. At this time, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we give you that opportunity to do so this morning. When it's all said and done, that's what it's all about. Who are you going to give your life to? Who are you going to live for? Who are you going to serve? And this morning, we give you that opportunity to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, to put your faith in him, to confess him as your Lord, to meet him in the baptismal waters where you're going to rise and walk in a newness of life. Your sins will be washed away and you don't have to have that guilt that you used to carry around with you. You're a new creation. If you need that this morning, which if you don't have it, you do, but if you realize you need that this morning, we invite you to come forward. If you're an immersed believer and would like to make First Christian your home, we'd love to have you come forward this morning. and We'd love to have you be a part of the First Christian family. If you're struggling and need prayer, we'd invite you to come forward this morning. I'll be glad to pray with you or one of our elders, Roger, would. So if you have a decision to make for Christ, our praise team is going to come up and lead us in a song of decision, and we invite you to stand and sing with us as we uh, sing Spirit of the Living God.
of prayer be the hour of prayer. Calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne to make all my wants and wishes known. Seasons of distress, grief, my soul has often found relief. And oft escape the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Yes, the hour of prayer is a blessing that helps us through difficult times. It does call us from the world of care around us. It does bid us to lay it all out before our Father's throne. And when we are in seasons of distress and grief, the hour of prayer does bring us relief. It helps us overcome the tempter's snare. But there's another time, another place, where the same is done for us. It is the sweet hour of communion. Here, too, we are blessed. We are helped through difficult times. Here, too, we can and we should lay it all out before our Father's throne as we think and dwell on what Jesus has done and does for us every day. Here, this special precious time, this time of thanksgiving, this time of introspection, we are encouraged, we are strengthened to face and overcome the tempter's snare. Here at the communion table, this, this special time, this special place, we are helped as we remember that Jesus provided us with victory over sin. Ever feel overwhelmed? Like you're losing the battle? No. You've won the victory through Jesus. Here, we also, besides overcoming the sin, our sin, we overcome the purveyor of our sin even the devil. Here, we are reminded that the victory is ours. We are reminded that Satan might win a battle or two, but the final victory is ours through Jesus, our Savior. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of communion. Before I pray, give you a little time to enjoy and be lifted up, be encouraged, and to be helped by quietly meditating on Jesus. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and think on him.
become our Father at the table of the Lord. I thank Him. I praise Him. We glorify Him and to renew our allegiance to Him. Thank you for this special time. In Jesus' name, amen. On the inside of your bulletin, we have announcements. Um, Jerry will be having his groups tonight. Roger's having his groups. Dale's group, will, my understanding, will not be meeting tonight. Uh, we have all of our Bible studies this week. The Sunshine Ladies are going to meet at Culver's on Saturday. Also, um, this is Faith Promise Month. In your bulletin, you should have found a pledge card. Throughout the month, we'll be taking those. And a Faith Promise pledge is money that you're pledging that you'll give above and beyond what you normally would give. And all that money will go to the four missions that we support. We'll show a video for, and, and obviously uh, with Operation Christmas Child, we'll t have them here talk, uh, Steve and Sandy be talking about them. And uh, we'll take those pledges. They're anonymous, so don't sign them. We don't need to know who's giving what, but we like to have an idea of what we think will come in. This, in 2024 or 23, I think, 
if I remember right, we were at about thirty some, about thirty four, thirty five thousand, and then we had another ten, fifteen, about another twenty thousand come in um, from various sources for the missions. So we we were able to help them quite a bit. And I love Adrian's mission because they actually those six evangelists represent like thirty six churches. Uh, they don't have just one church; they're they're all over the place. So. Uh, Southern Mexico Mission is an awesome, awesome place, and I'm glad that we can partner with them. A few other announcements. Save the date. Next sat, uh, Sunday, we will be having a Super Bowl uh, watch party and game night, and the Women's Connect Ministry, used to be SPA, will be having a uh, chili and soup cook-off, so you can bring your favorite recipes. I think they're going to be given like a $50,000 prize or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, you well, it's not just for the, but you guys are putting it together, right? Okay, well, I messed that up. We're having a chili and soup cook-off. But anyway, um, make sure that you uh, participate in that. Bring your favorite games, and you can definitely see, we'll be able to see the game on the screen, so that'll be really good. Uh, Peaches Pantry's got some needs we have in the bulletin. Also, uh, Operation Christmas Child is looking for some things. We uh, had our pancake breakfast, and all the proceeds were going to Santa on the West End, and I think it was close to $300, if I remember right, so that's a real blessing. I believe that's all the announcements that we have. I want to thank Adrian for coming. After second service, I think we're going to, well, I think we're going to go to the Chinese buffet over by Cal Ranch, so if you'd like to join us, you can. Um, I'm going to say about 1230, probably, give or take a couple minutes. So we'll look forward to seeing if you can make it. On the back of your bulletin, we have our prayer concerns and prayers of celebration. Uh, we have a thank you for everybody who came out to support uh, the, men's prayer, uh, the men's ministry prayer breakfast. We have a lot of concerns we've been praying for. We've got a lot of people that were str struggling with their health that we've been lifting up. We have troops who are deployed. We have our shut-ins. Uh, we want to keep them in prayer. And we're also praying for Peach's Pantry as our outreach this month. And then our missions, we're focusing this particular week on southern Mexico. And then next week, we'll be focusing in on Boise Bible College. I have to think about that for a second. So those are our prayer concerns. So at this time, I'm going to give you a moment uh, to, uh, to be in prayer. And then our praise team is going to come up and lead us in a closing song. So let's all stand together. Take your heart to the Lord in prayer, and then I'll close this with prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so thankful that we come together this morning to hear your word proclaimed and to fellowship and to worship you. And Lord, I pray for Adrian and his mission at Southern Mexico Mission that that legacy will continue, that it can be gen just generational, Father, that more and more people will step up to the plate to help them as they have a big job in Southern Mexico that we can partner with them. Lord, I pray this morning that we leave encouraged and that we're excited about serving you and that as we live in the community and live among our friends that they can see Jesus shining through us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.